Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's give it for Jesus one more time across this place. Man, we're so excited to be back in the This Is Us series. And so I know there's been some sickness swooping around, man. I, one of the teachers that's in one of the school systems told me they had 300 kids in one school out uh, at the same time with this stuff. And so, man, take care of yourselves if you're here today. Uh, I don't often do this, but we're going to do it today. Can we give it up? All the people that are at home taking care of their sick kids and themselves and getting themselves back to health. That Our church family is out there. Can we give it up for all them, man? We love you guys. And so we're grateful for you. And, uh, and so, man, let's go on this journey together. How many guys know kids are wild? And kids, I mean, kids lose their minds, don't they? And so, uh, man, I know, you know for me and Ashley, we, you know, we had our son Jabin, he's with Jesus now. And, and uh, we've helped raise nieces over the years. And, and uh, how many guys know it takes a village to raise a child? You know what I mean? So if, if, you, if someone in this church has a kid, it's kind of all of our kids, you know what I mean? So, um, so hey, come clean. The, no, I'm just kidding. But but we, we have just kids, man. The other day I went into the lobby after service and it was like a daycare out there. I mean, there's just kids everywhere. And I love it because I always want kids to feel like TC is like their second home. You know, I remember growing up and it was like, you know, the scripture says, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I remember being mad when they said, let us go to the house or sad, but I want, I want them to love TC. And so I love having the, the kids run around, but man, we've had Tons of them, but the one of them that cracks me up the most is Messiah. If you don't know who he is, he's Vince and Franny's little boy. And that, that kid has two speeds, sleep and go. Okay, that's the only two. <laughs> he's got two speeds. Like it, if you ever see a blur just move past you in the lobby, that was him. Don't worry about it. About this tall. And, uh, but man, that kid can go. But I remember when Vince and Franny first started coming to TC and uh, he was first learning how to walk. And so his older brother was running around here. And so he was kind of moving after his brother. And so he would, uh, you know, he would take a couple steps and fall and then try to take a couple more steps and fall. You know how babies, the, the head leads anyway. So it's like, boom. He would, and I remember he was in the sound booth one day, still didn't, he didn't even know how to walk, but he was looking and there's one step into the sound booth, this tall. And he was looking over the step like, man, I think I'm going to try this. And I, I, you know what I mean? And I was sitting there and I'm a firm believer in letting kids figure things out. You know what I mean? So I was standing there watching and I was like, he's going to jump. And everything in me was like, maybe you should help him. But I didn't. <laughs> and so I, I was like, let's see what happens. Right. And like, he did that thing where he was like, he took a couple steps back. And he was like, no, nah. you know, and y'all know what it feels like where you're like, all right, one, two, three, four five, six, right? So, and I saw him do it. And finally he just took off, jumped and went face first right on the carpet. It was hilarious. (laughs) You know how as an adult, you got to switch from funny to like, are you okay? You're like, (laughs) oh, right. So, so I had to do one of those anyway. So, uh, I, I was helping him get up and going, but it was funny, man. Uh, now about a year and a half later, that boy tears through this building. And just last week, he was, somehow he had got a hold of a stroller. It wasn't his. I don't know where he found this thing. And I was walking down the hallway back towards my office, and he was coming up behind me, like, with all heaven and hell's fury in his, like, just, just running, pushing this stroller that's a foot taller than him. So he's got his hands over his head, and he's screaming and chasing. And so I start running, 
Like I'm running, he's chasing, right? And I'm like, I'm fighting for my life for this two-year-old behind me with a stroller, right? And I realized it wasn't that he was chasing me. It was that he had put all of his body momentum into an object on wheels. So all forward momentum was going to keep moving until he hit something else. So I moved out of the way and he went (laughs) right into a wall down there somewhere. And uh, yeah, I looked at Franny and she was like, you know, (laughs) boy moms, am I right? So anyway, so, uh, but all all that to say, you know, it's so funny. People come up to me and they're like, man, do, do you mind? Like, how is it having so many kids at the church? And I'm like, man, I love having kids at the church. And, and they're like, do you ever feel like you got to get on to them? I'm like, for being kids? And I remember I got this wisdom one time. The guy said, we don't discipline kids for being childish. We discipline them for being disobedient. And I always thought, wow, what a thought, because I feel like sometimes we look at children being childish and we're getting on to them for being the very things that they are, right? And at that time, they don't need to be scolded. They need to be guided, right? And I think the church could take note from that. Because I think we look at a lot of people who are still trying to figure some things out in their life and we scold them instead of guiding them. When in reality, what people need is a space to figure out who they are with God rather than being scolded all the time for not being who people think they should be, right? And so what I think is a good thing for us here at Transformation Church is this one idea. It's part of one of our code statements is that we are the perfect place for imperfect people. Because in the perfect place for imperfect people is where people meet Jesus. And I want to take you to a story in the book of John chapter 8 where we see someone who came to grips with this same reality, right? And so let's go there. John chapter 8 verses 1 through 9. We're going to read this whole passage. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made, their, made her stand before the crowd. They said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? Now, it's interesting because what they were trying to do was trap Jesus. It had nothing to do with the woman. It had everything to do with Jesus. They said, if you make us stone her, then you're not compassionate, as you said you are. And if you don't let us stone her, you're not upkeeping the law, which you said you're here to upkeep. And so they thought they had Jesus trapped, right? And so I love Jesus' response. And it says, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Now I want us to think about this woman for a second who in this moment knew who she was, knew what she had done, And it's being taken by the religious crowd and being forced to stand not just in front of Jesus, but listen to me, in front of everyone else. You see, I believe for most of us, it's not that we're terrified to stand in front of Jesus. It's not that we're terrified to stand in front of God knowing we have issues. It's that we're terrified standing in front of God's people with our issues. It's not that we're worried about what God would do or what Jesus would say. We just don't want to deal with the people that are around him, right? Because history and and things in our life have taught us, man, you can trust God, just you got to be careful around God's 
people. And thinking for a second, man, she is terrified. She's hurt. She's likely naked standing in front of all of these people, rejected, afraid, humiliated. And I love that Jesus meets her graciously, humbly, and compassionately. In a response to her obvious issue in her life, he didn't meet her with judgment and condemnation, but rather he met her only the way that Jesus can meet her. And I love this reality because the way that a church should meet people who have things that they're trying to figure out is the way that Jesus met them. And I love this reality because as Jesus is looking at her and as Jesus is talking with her, and so there's this religious crowd that's saying who she shouldn't be. There's Jesus who's meeting her right where she's at. But then there's the rest of the crowd that's just kind of watching. And we don't get a full picture of what they're going through, but could you imagine? Because the Pharisees are bringing her and the Pharisees are trying to make an example out of her and Jesus changes everything. And that's why I think it's important that we understand as a church, as people, and even for some of you that maybe you haven't figured this whole thing out, that we are the perfect place. I'll say it again for imperfect people. I'll say it one more time. I want you to say it with me. We're the perfect place for imperfect people. I want that to get in your bones because the first unction you get, man, I can't go to church today. People, they're going to think this about me. Honey, listen, no one's thinking about you. Can I help you out for today? If anybody else was looking in the mirror before you came here figuring you out, just raise your hand real quick. All right. Anybody got some issues? Anybody got some things they're still taking care of? Is anybody not worried about what the person next to them is doing because you're too worried about what you're doing? Okay, you're in a safe space then. And the people that didn't raise their hand, they're liars. So what do we care? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, so we strive. Listen to me. As a church, we strive to be the perfect place for imperfect people to go to. Why? Because imperfection is what gets us to the feet of Jesus. Imperfection is the very thing that gets us there. And so I want to give you three ways that we strive. Say strive. I want to give you three ways that we strive to be the perfect place for imperfect people. And I'll give you the first one. At TC, at TC, we're not throwing people from a distance. We're carrying people to Jesus with us. We're not throwing people at a distance. We're carrying people to Jesus with us. I think it's so interesting that when we look at this woman who has this issue, right? And so she's sinning. She's got these things in her life that are obviously character flaws. They're obviously not godly. They're obviously not righteous. And she's not claiming anything otherwise, right? They're looking at her and the religious crowd put her there. They come in, they bring her in front of Jesus, but also in front of the people. I want to make just one clarification though. The religious crowd throws her in front of Jesus, but the real church crowd was already in front of Jesus. You see, when we look at the story in the Bible, what are we looking at, right? It says that Jesus sat down to teach. Who is he teaching? There's people around him already, right? You see, it's the religious crowd that's coming in and they're they're putting her in front of Jesus saying, listen, we need to figure this person out. But the real church crowd is in front of Jesus already going, listen, brother, I got some things I'm working out for me. I don't need no help looking at that person and what they're dealing with. I I got my issues I'm trying to take care of. I got my sin I'm still trying to work on. I got my anger issue, my unforgiveness, my bitterness, my, come on, help me out today, church. Don't leave me up here by myself. I got a few things I'm working on on me. I'm not necessarily worried about what she's doing over there, right? And I think it's so interesting that the church crowd was already in front of Jesus. It was the religious crowd that brought her and threw her in front. You see, because the real church crowd never leaves Jesus unless it's to go get somebody else to bring with them to Jesus. 
You see, I've been tempted in my life to get to a place where I felt like I was doing good enough on my own to go, all right, I don't know if I need Jesus as bad now. So let me just hang out on my own for a little bit. You know how little that little bit is? Because somebody goes, I need Jesus today more than I needed him yesterday. Can you not just, I, someone was in front of me today doing 10 under the speed limit. <laughs> today, on the way to church, I was going to preach this message and I'm behind the person like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> Wes Roberts, 35 mile an hour. I was losing it. I'm telling you all right now. I went to push the gas pedal to go around him. And then there was a car coming. So I had to and then hit the brake and let off. And in my mind, I'm like, what if this person's going to my church right now? <laughs> Could you imagine? Like they end up behind me and I pull into church and they pull into church too. And I'm like, oh. They're like, Pastor Brad, I saw that you almost hit me today on Wes Roberts. I'm be like, well, if you went anything over the speed limit, we wouldn't be in this situation, would we? Right? All that to say is I still got some things God is dealing with in me too. <laughs> the real church crowd knows where they need to be. They're not worried about who's standing next to them. And that's what we need to be is the perfect place that other people can stand next to us going, listen, I got some issues. And we're going, you got issues. I got issues. They got issues. So perfect. Because that means we get to be in front of, listen to me, the only person that can fix them anyways. Religious laws never helped fix anybody. They just keep showing us why we're still broken. But somebody else can fix it. And so they're in the right spot. Listen, when I need grace, when I need hope, I need Jesus, I need him every day. But here, let me go ahead and help you out with something. The religious crowd can't throw me in front of Jesus because you can't take me somewhere I'm going voluntarily anyways. So you can't, Brad, you need to come here. we got to put you in front of Jesus. Listen, you're going to find me in front of Jesus. You can't put me where I went already. I mean, you, when you find me, I'll be right here. And so wherever Jesus is at, that's where I'll be. And so, yeah, go ahead. Come try. That's why people, listen, you don't, you don't think people lob attacks against me, like against us and all those things? Like, man, TC, they'll just take anybody. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We, yes. You'd be shocked. They're going, well, you'll just let anybody come to your church. I'm confused. <laughs> is that an attack or a compliment? I don't know what. Because the reality is we want to do everything we can to get people to the feet of Jesus. We're going to keep bringing people, right? And I think there's a better picture of what it looks like, what it should look like for a church to care for people and get them to Jesus. And this one's actually in Mark chapter 2, so let's go there. Mark chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, there's a man who is paralyzed. And he's paralyzed, he can't use his legs, and his friends find out that Jesus is there. And they want to get him to Jesus, right? And so what do they do? They take him. Right, And they start trying to get him to Jesus, but the crowd is too big. Jesus is in this house, and he's teaching people. And that's where we pick up in verse 4. Since they could not get in, or they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was on. And when Jesus saw their... Hold on, now just pause for a second. I need some people around me that will tear a roof off to get me to Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? And, I, and, and listen, the, my goal for today isn't to bash other churches. That's certainly not my goal. But I think we can all sympathize with the idea that church environments haven't always been the easiest for all of us, right? 
And I think for so many people, they've been the reason why people didn't get to Jesus rather than the ones trying to tear roofs off to get people to Jesus. And we want to be the type of people that are constantly, if I got to tear a roof off to get you to Jesus, I'll tear a roof off. If I got like, whatever we got to do to get you to the person that can help you, I can't help you. I can't change you. I can't do any of those things, but I can do everything in my power to get you to the one that can. And so they take the roof off or tear a hole in it, however that worked. And when Jesus saw whose faith? His faith? Their faith. He said to them or to him? So when Jesus saw the faith of the friends, he said to the man who had the friends that his sins were forgiven. So your circle really does matter. Because when Jesus looked at the faith of the friends, he responded to the man. The friends got the man to Jesus, and Jesus responded to the man because they all had an understanding of what he was capable of. And man, listen to you, friend circle matters. And so Jesus says your sins are forgiven. But the religious crowd doesn't care very much for this. They go, who are you to say you forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus is like, bruh. That's, a, that's the BLV, by the way, if you want to know where that's found. Jesus is like, what do you? Yes, only God can forgive sins. And I'm him. And they go, uh. And he says, I tell you what. This is all, I'm just giving, I'm doing this for the sake of time. He says, I tell you what. What's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to heal the man and watch him walk? And they go, obviously, to say your sins are forgiven because you can't measure that. He goes, Bet take up your mat and walk. And the paralyzed man gets up, grabs his mat and walks out the house. Because Jesus says, no one's going to take from me the thing I say that I am. And everyone that stands in front of me can have their healing. They can have their wholeness. They can have their salvation. They can have, listen, when you come in front of Jesus, you can have everything that you need. And listen, this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus did all of this without consulting with the current congregation. He didn't need the church's permission because he had his own. You see, Jesus is on a mission to find his people. And he'll do whatever he has to do to get his people. Because he's radically in love with the idea of him getting the glory out of the life and salvation of the people that are his. God is consumed with this, right? And so he forgave, he forgave him and healed him at the same moment. But that means something for us as a church. Because when we look at this picture, what does it mean for us? It means for us that we're going to be strategic about the way we bring people to Jesus and how we bring Jesus to people. We're going to be strategic about the way we bring people to Jesus and the way we bring Jesus to people. They'll put it up there in a minute, I promise. But we're going to be strategic about it, all right? And so here's the reality, right? Is that many of us, in how we've tried to communicate the gospel, we've lost the art of how to even tell people about Jesus, right? Especially in a world where it's like the second you mention Jesus, people are like, oh, you bigot. How could you be so hateful? It's like, I like, so we, 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 because we don't know how to bring Jesus to people, and so every time we try to bring Jesus to people, we feel like we're condemning someone else. And so uh, I think that it's universally understood that Sky's Pizza is the best pizza in Pensacola, just so we're clear. 
all right? If you don't agree, the exits are there, there, there. No, I'm just <laughs> so, but there for a while, I was there, in my, in my opinion, there was a war going on between skies and graffiti, though. I'm not going to lie to you because graffiti was stepping their game up. I was kind of in this in-between space. So one day, we go to Sky's Pizza, me, Justin, uh, and one other person, and we sit down, and we, like, we're like, I told the waitress, I said, listen, I want you to know we're grading you today. Not you, the whole institution, all right? Because we want to know if you guys have gotten the train back on the tracks. And we said, we feel like you had the best pizza, graffiti. She's like, we're going to make you the best pizza you've ever had. I said, that's all I had to say? I'd have said this a month ago if I'd have known that would get me the best pizza. Anyways, so she goes in. We order a 24-inch pizza for three of us, right? So we order this pizza, and she brings it out. It has extra cheese. You know how when it comes out of the oven, it's like steaming hot, right? Extra, she had the pepperoni just had a little bit of crisp around the edge of it. Come on, help me out. This, there we go. These people know where I'm at. All right, good. So had a little extra crisp around the pepperoni. Come on, help me out. Don't, yeah, 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 yeah. The garlic, the oregano. There we are. It's spreading. It's spreading. Yes, it's spreading. Here we are. In Jesus' name. Yeah, so I'm a, um, so we sit down and we grab the slice. You know how you grab the slice about two and a half minutes before you should have? You know what I mean? And when you grab it with the spatula thing, it's this long. Slice is this long. What happens? Right? What does the cheese do? All, you know what I mean? So naturally, what do you got to do? Get the fork out. Get the cheese back because you're not giving the cheese. Away. You're not. No, that's my slice. So. <laughs> So are you getting the cheese together? And, right? and then naturally some cheese fell off the neighbor's slice. But once it hits the pan, fair game. So, right? So scraping that up together too, right? It's still a little too hot. So I can't pick it up yet, right? So you got to cut it and I bite into it. And man, that fresh mozzarella with the pepperoni and the sauce. Come on, you got to say. You got to, everybody goes to New England whenever they try to say, right? So everyone's Italian when they say sauce, when they're talking about pizza. So, so like, and it's garlic and oregano and the tomatoes and the onions and it's blended and the right amount of grease because, you know, pizza. Like, so I'm, I'm just, it was, I bought into it. It was a spiritual moment, spiritual moment, Right? Now, how many of you are thinking about eating pizza today when you leave here? Very good. I'm working on a sponsorship right now, all right? So the reason I said all that was how many of you guys are thinking about pizza right now? One more time, raise your hand. Very good. How many of you felt guilty because you didn't have the same pizza experience I had? I didn't, I didn't say uh, it was unfortunate. I just said guilty. Like, how many felt condemned? How many felt like I was saying shame on you for not having my pizza experience? Or how many of you were going, I don't know where it's at. I don't care what I got to do. I want to have what he had because he made it sound amazing. Can I tell you something? That's the way the gospel works when we talk about Jesus. Listen, I'm not trying to tell you how bad you are or condemn you. Listen, I just got to tell you about this thing that I've had. I got to tell you about this Jesus that I met. He changed my life. There were some things in my background. There were some things in my history. There were things I was dealing with that I couldn't seem to let go of. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene and things start changing in my life. There were some anger issues and some unforgiveness that I was dealing with that were with me for decades. But when Jesus started doing something in my heart, I started letting go of the things behind so I could press on to the 
things that were ahead because Jesus started changing some things. I'm not beating somebody up because they haven't had my experience. I'm just pleading with them to let them know there's something better than you could possibly imagine that's out there. And so I'm not condemning someone because they haven't had something. I just want to let them know what it's like to have the good stuff. And that's what it looks like when we bring Jesus to imperfect people of which we all are. That's why we're going to even something like trunk or treat. You'd be shocked how many people are like, you guys are doing trunk or treat? You're a church. Yeah. They're like, the, the spirit of God's not going to show up anymore. I'm like, well, we did it last year. So, right? Listen, we're going to do whatever we can to reach people far from God. Anything short of sin to reach people far from God. Matter of fact, trunk or treat's coming up in a couple weekends. If you want to sign up to serve, let's go. We need about 15 more trunks and 20 more people to jump in and serve with us. So if you want to register to put a trunk in and do all that stuff, scan the QR code and come be a part of it with us. It's going to be an amazing time. So we've got the people that are carrying people to Jesus, which is what we all want to be. But then at the same time at TC, the crowd isn't wondering, the crowd is worshiping. At TC, the crowd isn't wondering, the crowd is worshiping. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. When we see, unlike the woman in this story that was caught in adultery and thrown before Jesus, we're not standing. You, I, we're not standing alone in front of the crowd. We're standing with the crowd before Jesus because we need him. And as we're part of the crowd, we see when we go back to Mark chapter 2, Jesus heals the lame man, right? The guy that's paralyzed that comes through the roof. So let's go back to that story for a second. Jesus heals him, right? And he comes down the roof. Then Jesus is walking out and he walks past a man named Levi. And he says, Levi, let me eat at your house. And so he says, he says I want to go eat at your house. And so he sits down at the table with tax collectors and sinners. We're talking about the modern equivalent of po- politicians and drug dealers. Which, are they really that? Anyway, sorry. sorry not gonna. <laughs> Told you I wasn't going to go there. So he sits down, politicians, drug dealers, tax collectors, sinners. He's sitting down with them. And the, the church crowd, the Pharisees, are looking at Jesus, and they're like, <clears throat> they're, they're asking others. They're going, y'all see Jesus? What is he? He's eating with sinners. Oh. Now, it sounds hilarious to us, but this is literally what... Can you, if he's really God, what is he doing with six sinners? And I love Jesus' response in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He says, I know what I'm here for. I'm not here so that we can have a parade with good people. I'm here that we can help the bad ones. Right? And for the record, can I help you all out? We're all the bad ones. Like all of us. Like we're all in that category together, right? And so he comes in, but here's you got people that are wondering, why would Jesus? Listen, we, there, there's plenty of opportunities for people to look at and go, man, why is Jesus doing so much in that person's life? He, they still got that issue. How come Jesus is blessing them financially? They still got that going on. How come Jesus is doing, how come Jesus is doing that? How come Jesus is, how come, man, Jesus is really taking care of them, but they still got that anger problem, that porn problem. They still got that unforgiveness in their heart. 
heart. They still can't get a hold of their land. How come Jesus is, listen, I'm here to tell you right now, I don't care why Jesus is doing what he's doing for you. I'm just glad that he's doing it for you. And as long as it's keeping you close to him, man, I'm going to keep applauding that one step at a time. Let's go. Because if Jesus is blessing you and you're standing in the crowd next to me, that means Jesus is in my neighborhood. All right? And so as long as if he's with you and I'm next to you, that means I'm next to him. That means I, it's only a matter of time before I get to experience whatever God's doing in your life. Why? Because as long as I'm standing before the king, I don't care who's standing next to me. The religious crowd is wondering while the real church is worshiping. I'm going to tell you, we're constantly going to put ourselves in a position where we're worshiping. But how many guys know there are always people around us that are just trying to like choke the life out of us? Like choke the good out of us. They're just, they're, anybody got like joy sucking people in your life? Like let one good thing happen and you post it on Facebook or Instagram. They're like, well, you know. It's like, well, you know. You know what? Never mind. Right? What? Like, I, there's just people around. And I feel like, man, it's the sa- it still works the same way. And it, it was this way then and it's the, the same way now, right? I believe everywhere Jesus is doing something authentic, there's a, a religious crowd trying to choke the Christ out of everything. I, I don't care how Jesus is doing it. I just want to be part of him doing it. That's why we're the perfect place for imperfect people. Because I don't care how he's helping someone get from where they are to where he wants them to be. I just want to be part of the process. And if he's doing it for you, that means he's in our neighborhood. Right? So we're just in this together. Right? That's why 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all of our unrighteousness. That's the beauty behind what God is doing, which brings me to my last point that at TC will help people learn to walk in both grace and truth. At TC, we want to learn to help people walk in both grace and truth. These are two very equal components to the righteousness of Jesus. There's something in our life that needs to change. Listen, I'm here to tell you, yes, it is. we are the perfect place for imperfect people. There's something in every single one of our lives that needs to change. Look at your neighbor and say, I got something. <laughs> right? I got some. There's something in every one of our lives that needs a change. We have an unforgiveness problem. We have a bitterness issue. We have an anger. We have, there's something in every single one of our lives that needs to change. I guarantee it, right? There's none righteous, no, not one, right? But here's the reality. That thing changing isn't the prerequisite to grace. Grace is the initiator to that thing changing. In other words, you don't change that so you can stand in front of Jesus. You stand in front of Jesus so that he'll help change that. You don't clean the fish before you catch it. You understand? So we got to get before Jesus so that he can help do some of the things, right? I put it in your notes this way. We're changing who we are out of a response to his grace, not to initiate it. I'm not initiating God's grace with my good behavior. I'm changing who I am because God's grace has shown up in my life. And as we walk that out, we start to see how God is doing amazing things in people's lives. And speaking of people's lives that God is doing amazing things in, one of our dear friends, Madison's testimony, we have it to play today uh, on how God did something amazing in her life. We want to roll it for you. Go ahead, guys. I completely cut my mom and my family out of my life. You know, I was just kind of against all religion, just didn't want to be a part of it. He talked about uh, forgiveness as well. And that's 
what kind of made the shift for me. So I, I originally came from Texas um, and it wasn't the best. I will be completely honest with you. My mom had me when she was a senior in college. Um, and so my biological dad was in the picture for a little bit, but then kind of ended up stepping back. And when I was about six years old, he just wasn't in my life. I did have my stepfather, Jeff, but he was not the nicest person in the world. Um, he was incredibly abusive towards me and my mom, and it got worse when my little brother was born. So not the best home life. And I dealt with that pretty much all the way through high school, and it, it got progressively worse throughout high school. Sadly, religion was actually one of the tools that was used, my stepfamily specifically, was actually used as a tool of abuse towards me. You know, I was just kind of against all religion, just didn't want to be a part of it at all. Actually, about six months ago, I completely cut my mom and my family out of my life. Moving to college kind of helped, uh, just kind of getting out away from my family a little bit. And it was actually meeting Dakota. Um, we've, it'll be three years, we'll be dating three years in January, this coming January. And it was meeting him and talking to him. He was like, yes, I'm a Christian. You know, um, I do go to church and stuff like that. And I was like, well, I'm not. But Dakota expressed, the desire to start going back to church because he had kind of fallen off of a little bit. And he's like, you know what? No, I really want to go back. You know, I know this great church. It's TC. You'll love it. And I was like, all right, I love you. So I'll give it a try. There was a huge struggle and there was just a wall and a block between me and God. And sometimes it just felt so hopeless. Like, you know what? Like maybe I should just give up and just, I will never be good enough to be with him or be a part of anything. And I actually remember the exact service. Um, it was Pastor Dan who was preaching. He talked about uh, forgiveness. I literally, after watching that service, I went and I wrote a letter to my family and everybody. And I was like, I forgive you for everything that you have done because I need to let it go. But over time, like that wall slowly started to get chipped away. Pastor Brad does it after every service. You know, he does the, you want to be saved or you want to invite God into your life. Pray this prayer with me. And I prayed it out loud. Um, and it was like a really big moment for me. I was like, whoa, I, I just did that. I was like, I'm a little scared. I don't know what comes next, but I feel really good. It was actually, uh, my idea to get baptized because he was leaving for New York and it was like May and I said you know what we're going to go to next steps we're going to get into this church because it's time we've been going here long enough and I was like I also want to get baptized and he was like are you serious and I was like yes and he was like I was thinking the same thing and I was like great we're going to do it together the baptism itself though that was amazing Pastor Brad dunked me in the water and like pulled me back up. And that was the biggest moment for me because I, I one of the things that I, I dealt with is I never felt like I belonged anywhere. And that just felt like God was opening up his arms and saying, welcome home. Amazing story. Thank you. It's, it's awesome. When we go to John chapter 8 and we look at the story that we started with, this story with this woman that's caught 
and in adultery. And let's just face it, if we were all honest, there's a number of things in our lives that would justify putting us in front of Jesus. We've all got something, right? In John chapter eight, in verse 10, Jesus looks at her and says, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Remember, all of them dropped their rocks and they walked away. He said, if whoever has no sin, they can cast the first stone. And they all dropped their rocks and walked away. And that's where he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Now that last statement brings two things that I wanna point out to you just very quickly as we wrap up today. And it's the two things we just talked about, grace and truth. He says, where are your accusers? Where are those that are trying to condemn you? She said, they're not here. He says, neither do I condemn you. Jesus having all the right to condemn her. Jesus who is righteous and perfect, has an imperfect, unrighteous person standing in front of, and if he wanted to condemn her, he had the ability to do it. How dare you, shame on you, you know better. You shouldn't do this. He could judge her, he could, do, he could have done any of those things, but instead he looks at her and instead of condemning, he gives grace, neither do I. If anyone has the ability to condemn you, I have the ability to condemn you, but I won't do it, because I love you. But then he goes on and he says, but in this grace that I've given you, watch this, now go leave that life. You see, we can come to God in any way, but we, don't, we never leave the presence of God the same way. Something should always change. Fellas, something should always change change when we're in the presence of God. There should always be a difference when we walk away from how God is leading us. We talked earlier about Messiah, how he walks now tramples people down in the hallways with strollers. Just had a nightmare for a week. Anyway, so, but we were talking about how he comes running through the hallways. But I remember when he was taking his first steps and I when you think about it, in this story I kind of got from Matt Chandler from Dallas, but he talks about how babies are just, have awkwardly large heads when they're babies and they're learning to walk. And at some point they're learning to walk, gravity takes over and it kind of just, they're not trying to walk anymore. They're just trying to keep legs underneath them, right? And he's talking about how when that happens, everyone goes crazy for the first steps. Am I right? When you're watching a kid, they're like, oh my gosh, he took two steps, right? And everyone's cheering him on. And it's like, you don't get that at work tomorrow. When you walk down the hallway, no one's like, let's go, baby. Two steps, you made it, do it again, right? Like that doesn't happen for any of us. It only happens for babies, why? Because they're just learning how to walk. Can I help you out with something? We need to be the type of place where people who are just learning how to walk in this faith can make it two steps and we go, let's go, two steps. You had not learned how to run yet. You haven't learned how to climb the trees. You haven't even learned how to walk successfully long-term, but you made it two steps. 
And we're going to celebrate your two steps because two will become four, four will become eight, eight will become six. Like we'll get to the point where you're running and you're climbing and you're doing those things. But today it may only be two steps, but we're the perfect place for imperfect people because we're always going to celebrate who you are. We're not worried about trying to hold some prestige. We're not worried about trying to make sure that everyone fits into our nice little box so that things can be pretty and we don't have problems around us. No, no, no. We're all bringing problems with us. We're all coming in front of a Jesus that can help heal us. That's why at Transformation Church, one of our statements is this, found people, find people. So we'll never let this lifeboat become a yacht club. We'll always be a place where imperfect people can stand in front of Jesus and realize they found the perfect place to learn how to take some steps because we aim to see everyone change through the power of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you today. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are doing a work in the people's lives here. Thank you that you are doing what none of us could do and that you're creating change. Father, we just pray right now that you would help God lead each one of us to a place where we realize that it's in your presence, not that we are condemned, but that we are changed and that we're made more into who you're making us. We thank you, God, for everything that you're doing in our lives. We love you today. We pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts and constantly help us as a church be the type of place that people who have issues can come and look around and say, I'm surrounded by the right people because we're all in front of Jesus together. We thank you and we love you. It's in your name that we pray. If you're here today and you need Jesus to take control of your life. If you're here today and you know that sin has separated you from God, but you're ready to give your life back to him and say, Jesus, I need you to take control. I know that there's sin in my life and sin is separated from you, but I wanna be close to you. I wanna be forgiven of my sins. I need to be saved. And today, if you're ready to make that decision, today, if you feel that tugging on your heart, today, if you're ready to pray a prayer with me that the prayer doesn't save you, just put words to the actions of your heart that you're believing in Jesus and that belief, that grace, that forgiveness is what is gonna save you. Then I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church will pray it with you so you're not praying by yourself. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. Make me pure and make me whole. I give you my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. So I can be saved. I give you my life, make me brand new. Give me a fresh start and I'll follow you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the first time. Can we celebrate with you? Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you want to connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. Mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially, and we would love it if you would consider doing just that, as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. 
So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.